Hey, Church, how are you doing this morning? Oh, great. That's so cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, in light of um, Psalm 1 Language Week, I wanted to say, Talo falava, fatalo fatu, ya ile tato ainga, ekale siya ile nitayao, ile swafaman malo, o yesu kiriso lo tato ali ima lo tato faaola faftele tua, yo mafayona tato mawa lenefelo inga fia fia. I greet you in the matchless and mighty name of Jesus this morning. So blessed that we are able to gather again uh, in the house of the Lord this morning. But um, in case you're wondering why is this is not a skirt, our pastor is in a cultural wear this morning. Don't be confused. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, you have incredible eyebrows. <clears throat> incredible eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, when I was preparing for our message today, I went over to my wife and I said, can you give me an example of one time where I've been prideful in our marriage? And she looked at me and she said, one, one example. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean one example? And she says, well, I've got a whole heap of examples for you. And then she goes on to list these examples. She says to me, you think that you know the quickest way to the destination that we're trying to get to. And then she goes on to say, you give me cooking advice when I'm cooking food and you've only cooked five times since we've been married for the year and a half that we've been married. You tell me how to chop things, how to put them in the stove. And when I'm in the middle of vacuuming the house, you come over and say you either miss the spot or you need to vacuum it like this. Or when I'm in the middle of wiping the table, you come over to me and you say, you need to actually fold it over like this after that and then wipe it again so you're not rubbing the same or, you know, yuck stuff on the same. And she's like, yeah, you just do all of that. That's how prideful you are. And then I was like, wow, but like, and? And so, so what's the point? And she goes, that's exactly the point, that you're so prideful, you don't even realize that you're doing it, and you, and you don't even realize that you're actually wrong. Could it be that the way that you're asking me to do this stuff is wrong? And then she took it up a notch, and she looked at me, and she said, you're so fiapoko. <laughs> and fiapoko in Samoan is, you think you know it all. You think you're a Mr. Know It All. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. This isn't a counseling session. Don't be pouring your heart on me. I, knew, I only told you to give me one example, eh? But isn't it funny how oftentimes we can be so blinded by our own pride that we become so sure that our way is the right way. We become so sure that our way is actually, this is the only way. And we can often become so blinded by our pride that our lives become all about self-will, self-assertiveness, self-interest. It's all about self. And the danger with this kind of an approach to life is that it ultimately becomes about living your life to please self. It's all about what I want. It's all about my needs. It's all about what I think. It's all about me. The sense of self-assertiveness and the sense of self-will is heightened by the world's obsession with individualism. And the funny thing is that instead of dealing with it while it's still small, we just become so good at telling ourselves, actually, this is what determination looks like. We tell ourselves, actually, no, I'm motivated by a fear of missing out. We tell ourselves that this is actually what taking hold of my destiny looks like. We tell ourselves, actually, this is what being sure of who I am and what I want looks like. And so the danger of living that kind of a life is that when untamed, it will ultimately lead to destruction. We become less content and less satisfied with where we are and what we have. We want more, we want more, we want more. And so we'd stop at nothing to get the more that we want. Friend, that's not God's will for your life. And so let's encourage ourselves with the word of God this morning. This morning, we're looking at Beatitude number three. It says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Remember that 
the Beatitudes are written for those who consider themselves disciples of Jesus. Everyone who calls themselves a believer and a follower of Jesus, the Beatitudes were written for you. But also remember, the Beatitudes are not eight steps to get into the kingdom. Your way into the kingdom of heaven is through Jesus Christ. The Beatitudes is how you're supposed to come out looking now that you are part of the kingdom. And so with that backdrop in mind, Jesus introduces us to Beatitude number three, he says, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. To better understand what Jesus is talking about, we need to define a few terms. Number one, meek. The word meek in the verse is uh, the Greek word praus. And this word in the Greek language is considered to be the a most lovely word. It's used to describe a gentle breeze. It's used to describe a gentle voice. It's used to describe soothing medicine. Now, the problem is that there is no one English word in the English language that can fully encapsulate the meaning of this word. And so it's often translated as meek, gentle, humble, considerate, and courteous. So to better understand what it means to be meek, we're going to consider and look at what it actually looks like to be meek. Number one, meek equals self-control. The word praus in the Greek language is the picture of a wild horse that has been tamed. A horse that was once wild uh, has had to go through a process of being broken down and being trained by its master. It was trained so much so that it has now become obedient to the bit and bridle. And so what you have is a horse that previously could not be ridden or controlled, but after being trained, it is now able to follow the master's commands in much the same way. We as believers, disciples and followers of Jesus, when we first come to Christ, it's a journey of us being broken down and trained by the master himself. And so as we continue to be trained by the master through the word, through prayer, through fellowship, through circumstances in life, we become less like who we used to be. We become less wild and we become someone who is obedient to their master. We're able to exert self-control. Therefore, to be meek is to have every instinct, every impulse, every passion under control. To be meek is to have self-control. But even as we state that, we almost immediately realize that to have that kind of a level of self-control, um, you know, to, that, to have that control over our impulses and our passions is to have a self-control that is actually beyond human ability. And so this has to be something that's of God's doing. The self-control not to give into my fleshly desires. The self-control to not give into my impulses. The self-control to say no when they're offering me big bucks to compromise my faith. The self-control to walk away when they're enticing me to act a mess. The self-control to be still and know that God is God even when I want to respond with a plan B and C in case God's plan A doesn't come through. That sounds like the kind of self-control that is beyond human ability. And it's true. Meekness cannot be attained by yourself. Meekness cannot be attained by your own efforts because only God could enable you to have that level of self-control. In fact, we should call this first point God control. It's wrong to say that a man who is meek is perfectly self-controlled. No, a man who is meek is a man who is God controlled because only God could give him the ability to be that meek. It is through the power of God and God alone that we are able to demonstrate meekness self-control in our lives. Turn to the person next to you and say, how's your self-control? How's your self-control? Amen. 
Number two, meek equals gentle response. Meek equals gentle response. Jesus taught what it meant to have a gentle response. And then he even went along, went ahead to demonstrate this through his life. All throughout Matthew chapter five, Jesus teaches if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. If someone makes us go one mile, go two miles. If someone wants our shirt, give them our jacket as well. And this is the type of person that the world looks at and calls weak. But that is not weakness. That's simply power that's under control. It's not a matter of whether or not the individual can throw hands. It's not that the person won't fight back. It's that they won't fight back because they trust that God will fight their battles. A perfect example of being meek is uh, having a gentle response is Joseph. After Joseph's brothers, you know, treated him poorly, they, their father dies. And so he comes to Joseph. They, they come to Joseph and they bow on their faces and they say, we are your servants. Joseph responds and says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant to harm me, but God intended it for a good uh, purpose to preserve the lives of many people. Don't be afraid because I'm going to provide for you and your children. When Joseph says, am I in the place of God? He is saying, it's not my job to judge or seek revenge. That's God's uh, job. And so Joseph chooses instead to bless and provide for them. We even see this level of meekness perfectly modeled through the person of Jesus. First Peter 2 verse 21 to 25, it says, God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, there's that wild again, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. The author gives us this beautiful description of the kind of response that's got meek written all over it. Here's a question for you this morning. How do you respond when people start to get at you? How do you respond when people start lying on you and cheating on you? How do you respond when people hurt you and cause you pain? Do you respond with a retaliation plan or do you respond with gentleness? Do you respond by trying to get even or do you wait on God to fight on your behalf? You see, we don't hear this kind of preaching at all because we're afraid that it's going to make people really uncomfortable. It goes too far against the culture of the world because to respond with gentleness when people hurt you, that's almost unfathomable. You see, the world all around you will tell you it's all good to get even. The world around you will tell you that you're a coward if you don't seek to avenge yourself. The world will tell you that if you don't look, uh, if you don't look out for yourself around here, people are going to walk all over you. The world will even try to tell you that there is no place in society for the meek. We hear it everywhere. If you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. Sound familiar? Behind the facade of determination and willpower is this idea that in order to succeed in life, you've got to be aggressive and tough and strong if you want to get somewhere in life. And so the world will encourage you to stay as far away as possible from being meek because it's weak. You need to understand that being meek doesn't mean being soft. Being meek is not a spineless gentleness It's not some kind of a sentimental fondness. It's not passive quietism. No, being behind the gentleness, there is a strength of of steel, but being meek 
is choosing to respond with gentleness anyway. Number three, meek equals righteous anger. Righteous anger is an incredible characteristic. Without righteous anger, sin just continues. People are abused and mistreated. God is blasphemed and then nothing ever changes. You see, when it comes to personal offense, the meek respond with gentleness, leaving the judgment to God. But when it comes to the injury and mistreatment of others, the meek respond with righteous anger. In Numbers 12 verse 3, Moses is called the meekest man on earth, but don't be fooled because the same Moses was a man who could act with decision and blaze with anger when the occasion arose. When Moses' brother and sister, they, were, uh, they became angry with Moses because he married an Ethiopian woman. Um, when they became angry with him, Moses did nothing. He did nothing and he said nothing. God defended Moses by judging his sister and striking her with leprosy. In response to that, Moses pleaded to God to have mercy on her and then God healed his sister. He responded with gentleness when it came to his personal offense. Now, when it came to the Israelites sinning against God and worshiping the calf, there was a righteous anger that came upon Moses. The Bible says that he broke the stones that the Ten Commandments were written on. Moses took the calf that they made, he burned it, he ground it into powder, threw it into the water, and he made them drink it. He was righteously angry, not selfishly angry. Again, Jesus models this same thing for us. When Jesus was personally insulted, he responded with gentleness. Just like a lamb that was being led away to be slaughtered. He never retaliated. He said nothing. He was powerful and could have easily asked the angels and, and, and command the angels to come and defend him. But he willingly submitted to the will of the Father. Now, when it came to the mistreatment of others and God being dishonored, Jesus was like a lion. He called the Pharisees serpents. He called them whitewashed tombs. He even went into the temple twice with a whip and drove out those who cheated others and dishonored God. You see, when it came to personal offense, he responded with gentleness. But when it came to the mistreatment of others and the dishonoring of God, he responded with righteous anger. You know, I love how a scholar of the word puts it. He puts it beautifully by saying, to be meek is to be angry at the right time and never at the wrong time. Number four, meek equals humble. The meek are humble because they realize their spiritual condition. They are poor in spirit and continually mourn over it. To be meek is to have this humbleness and humility that desires for God to be exalted and for others to be lifted up. It's the kind of humility that you find in Philippians chapter two. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Again, we see this example in Christ, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Christ gives us the perfect example of meekness. He became a man and offered his life for others. And so what we find uh, that this word meek is, is, is packed filled with meaning. To be meek is to have self-control, to be meek is to respond with gentleness. To be meek is to have righteous anger. To be meek is to have humility. And then Jesus goes on to say, it is the meek who are gonna inherit the earth. Number two, inherit the earth. It's important for us to note 
that this beatitude says that the meek will inherit the earth doesn't say that the meek will grab the earth. Inheritors are people who receive. Inheritors don't have to put up a fight. Inheritors don't have to do a whole song and a dance. They just simply receive. And so this term inherit the earth speaks now about, about a now and a future time. Again, the idea of inherit the earth is packed filled in the Greek language. And so we're going to look at two aspects of that phrase. Number one, inherit the earth equals enter into. When Jesus talks about the meek inheriting the earth, he is talking about a spiritual inheritance that the meek enter into. Inherit is the same word that is used to describe the children of Israel entering into the promised land. In much the same way, the meek enter into an inheritance where one day at Christ's return, they will inherit the earth. In other words, everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to the meek. Not just wealth, not just castles, not just becoming a billionaire. They inherit the earth. It all belongs to God, but he also gives it to us because we are joint heirs with Jesus. Romans 8 verse 17. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heir of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. And so at Christ's return, there will be a renewal of the earth. And we read in Isaiah 11 that the lion will lie down with the lamb. The cow will feed with the bear and children will lead them. The animal predators will respect the lordship of humans, so much so that even a child will command respect. There will be a perfect peace and a harmony in the world like never before. And this will be in the, the portion of the mink that because together with Christ, they are heirs of God's glory. They will inherit the earth. They will reign with Christ. Secondly, inherit the earth equals deeply satisfied. The second aspect of this phrase in the Greek language is the idea of being deeply satisfied. The meek already inherit the earth in this life in this way. A person who is meek is a person who is always satisfied. The world is constantly ruled by the spirit of more. The world, is, the world constantly says bigger is better, more is better, newer is better. And so we aim to have the latest phone. We aim to have the latest laptop. We aim to have the latest fashion. We aim to have the latest car. And the problem is we end up never really possessing anything. Instead, things start to possess us. The richest man in the world was asked this question, how much is enough money? And he responded and said, just a little bit more. He owned everything and yet possessed nothing. The world will never inherit the earth because to inherit the earth is to be deeply satisfied in something other than just your possessions. But for the meek, to inherit the earth means to receive and enjoy the deepest satisfaction from God's created order. It means that the meek will live in the earth and live in harmony with God, harmony with others, and harmony with nature, not by grabbing or dominating or controlling or manipulating or by force, but by gentleness, cooperation, by humility, forgiveness, and love. You see, in the Old Testament, even the children of Israel had to fight for their inheritance, although the Lord gave them the promised land. It's different for us today because the condition on which we enter our spiritual inheritance in Christ is not might, but meekness. Therefore, inherent not only means to enter into, but inherent means to be deeply satisfied. So now that we're aware of all of these things, when we put it all together, 
we have this incredible depth, this incredible realization, this incredible beauty to beatitude number three. Blessed is the person who was meek, the person who has God control, the person who responds with gentleness because they trust God with the outcome, the person who is angry at the right time. They are blessed because they will inherit the earth. Not only will they reign with Christ when he returns, but right now in this present moment, they inherit the earth in that they enjoy the deepest satisfaction from God and so live in harmony with God and harmony with others. If I can ask the keys to join me. As we look at the Beatitudes, we come to realize that every single one of them so far has been building on the other. On the other, Beatitude number one, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It means that you become aware of your spiritual condition, that you cannot save yourself, that you are nothing without God. And so the kingdom of heaven is available to you as you come empty. Beatitude number two, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Having realized that you are poor in spirit, you mourn over your sin and the sins of others because the result of your sin is eternal separation from God. But out of your mourning, you are immediately comforted by the fact that Christ himself is the propitiation for our sins and for the sins of the world. And so we get to beatitude number three that says, blessed are the meek because they shall inherit the earth. Not only do we realize that we're nothing without God, then we mourn over our sins, but out of our mourning, we will be comforted. Now we're going to be meek. But how? How on earth are we supposed to be meek and inherit the earth? Here's how. Matthew 11, 28 to verse 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, meek, and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word gentle can be translated as meek, Jesus is describing his own disposition as meek. You need to know today that Christ is the perfectly meek one. And the only way that you're going to know how to be meek is by yoking yourself to Christ. You see, in the Bible times, a young ox was yoked to an experienced ox so that it would be trained. And so this means that the young ox would learn from the experienced ox. Let me ask you today, who or what are you yoked to? Whose yoke have you taken upon yourself? Have you taken the yoke of Christ or have you taken the yoke of the world upon yourself? Are you carrying the yoke that is easy and the burden that is light or are you carrying the yoke that is heavy? And you might ask me this morning, well, how am I supposed to know which yoke I've taken upon myself? If you wanna know whose yoke you've taken upon yourself, Look at your life. Wherever there is no demonstration of meekness in your life, that is an indication that you are not yoked to Christ in that area of your life. But in much the same way, you know that you are yoked to Christ when there is demonstration and fruit of meekness in your life. Because to yoke yourself with Christ is to take upon you His yoke that is light. To yoke yourself to Christ is to have self-control. To yoke yourself with Christ is to respond with gentleness. To yoke yourself with Christ is to have righteous anger. To yoke yourself with Christ is to have humility. You see, to take upon yourself the yoke of Christ is to learn from Him, is to abide in Him through His Word, through prayer, through, through fellowship, through serving in the house, 
is to let him teach us to be like him. And so he will teach us to have self-control when people hurt us. He will teach us to respond with gentleness when others criticize us. He's going to teach us to have righteous anger and be consumed with God's glory and justice for others. He'll teach us to be humble. I hope you realize this morning, church, that meekness is, is actually less about what you do and how you respond, but more about your posture before God. Meekness is supposed to bring you to the awareness that you can't do it without God. You could go to all sorts of lectures. You could sing and shout and holler as hard as you can. You can go to church every Sunday. But meekness is a divine trait that is given to us by God. And so our posture before God is supposed to simply be take his yoke upon us and learn from him. For he is gentle and lowly in heart. And so when the world starts to get up in your face, boasting in their possessions, throwing their weight around, calling you weak and spineless, glorying in its accolades, titles and awards, celebrating revenge and violence, showing off their mansions, their wealth and their fame. When the world starts to look at you funny because you're being meek, when they start to call you irrelevant because they've got no point of reference for a meekness and they no longer want to roll with you, they don't want to eat with you, they don't want to do nothing with you, they overlook you because you're gentle and though it may look like you're being neglected, it may look like you're being deprived, it may look like you're being disenfranchised, it may look like you've got nothing, but you are able to stand with the Apostle Paul and say, my heart may ache, but I've got joy. I may be poor, but I've got spiritual riches to others. I may have nothing, but I've got everything that I need. And it's not because I pray good. It's not even because I preach good. It's not because I got a good job. It's not because of the house I live in or the car that I drive. It's not because of how much I make. It's because I'm blessed. Not mere happiness, blessed. Not lucky, blessed. It's not a circumstantial kind of a blessing. It's a bless that nothing in this world can touch. Poverty can't touch it. Hunger cannot touch it. Fear cannot touch it. Sickness cannot touch it. Death can't even touch it. And so when you've got a proper glimpse, a proper view, a proper understanding of who God is, you come to realize that as long as you've got Jesus, you've got everything that you need. You may be poor in spirit, but you've got the kingdom. You may mourn for a little while, but you're going to be comforted. Your meekness may come across as weakness to the world, but you'll inherit the earth. You ought to know today that if you want to be counted among those who Jesus says are blessed, then it's time for you to take off the yoke of man. Take off the yoke of the world. Take off the yoke of your past. Take off the yoke of your family, the yoke of your ancestors, the yoke of your culture, the yoke of your spouse, the yoke of your children. It's time to, for you to come away from the yoke that's got you bound and stagnated and hurt. Today is the day of salvation. And Jesus is saying, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn for me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. With everybody standing to your feet, why don't you stand to your feet? Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, we live for you alone, live for, 
Come on, let that be your declaration this morning. Every breath that I take, every moment, Lord, have your way in me. Lord, have. Come on, let's sing it again. Lord, I give you my heart. Give you. I give you my soul. We live for you alone. I live for. Sing every breath. Every moment I'm away. Lord, have your way in me. Come on and sing it again. Lord, I give. Yeah, I give you my soul. Sing, I live for you alone. I live for every breath, every moment I'm away. Lord, have your way. Lord, come on, let's sing it again. Lord, I give you my heart. Every moment I'm away, Lord, have your way. Come on with every hand lifted in this place this morning. God, we choose to take off the yoke of man. We choose to take off every yoke, oh God, that is not of you. And this morning, we thank you for your word that reminds us, oh God, that the way for us to be meek, inheriting the earth, God, is to yoke ourselves to Christ. And so this morning, God, we draw a line in the sand and we make a declaration, God, and we're saying, Lord, we choose to yoke ourselves with Christ because his yoke is easy. His burden is light, oh God. And so, Lord, this is our declaration this morning. God, have your way in our lives, God. Continue to use us in any way that you choose. And we thank you, God, for who you are and what you are doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Don, for a great work. Awesome. Very good. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Don. Yeah, very quickly, Fano, in, in Matthew chapter 26, uh, in Jesus' darkest hour in the Garden of Gethsemane, he is being apprehended by Roman authorities, and Peter lashes out in anger, and he actually cuts off one of the soldiers' ears um, to, to resist Jesus' arrest. But Jesus to Peter says, Peter, put your sword away. He says, don't you know if I wanted to? My Father from heaven could send down a legion of angels to rescue me and redeem me if I wanted to. If I wanted to, but I choose not to. Fano, Peter responds in the flesh to anger, but Jesus responds in meekness. Because Fano, again, meekness is controlled strength. It is controlled power. It is power under control. You know, I don't know if the brother's here right now, Fano, but we have a brother in our house called uh, Tammy who works for Shining Light Ministries, and he's a great guy, beautiful heart. Uh, hands and feet of Jesus, this guy. But Tammy also happens to be a, a, an ex-professional boxer. And I'm sure there are times in Sammy's ministry, when he's ministering in the highways and the byways, where there are times he was like, that he could have, out of anger, he could have lashed out and said, man, I've got the capacity to deck this guy, to give this guy a few, a left and the right. I could really put this guy on the floor if I wanted to. But Tammy never has. Tammy, Tammy always responded in those situations of anger, not with, not with revenge, but with restoration. 
Noah's sort of, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lash up, but with controlled strength and restitution and restoration. Whanau, this is meekness. Meekness is controlled strength. It is strength under control. And perhaps, friend, you've been sitting here, you listen to Pastor Don preach, and, you've, and you're thinking, man, I wanna live that kind of life. A life under control, a life that is, exhibits the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, all those wonderful uh, for fruit. I want my life to exhibit those things. But your life, rather than being a, a trained horse and a horse that's sort of on track, it's a, it's a wild horse going tossed to and fro, given into emotion, every wind of doctrine even. But if that's you, if you want to live a life that's under control, that it comes under the authority of God and empowered by the Holy Spirit, God is saying, you don't, need a new, you don't need new behavior or trying to transform yourself from the inside out. No, you need a new heart. You need to be transformed from the inside out. And finally, what comes from a new heart is new desires, new impulses, new strength, new self-control. When God takes out your heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh and makes you a new creation in Christ Jesus. So friend, if that sounds like you, if you want a new heart, if you want a life that embodies meekness, a life with self-control, led and governed by the Spirit of God, with every head down and eyes closed, I want you to just take a moment. With every head down and eyes closed, I want you to raise your hand. If that sounds like you, Father, if you want to live a life of, of meekness, of controlled strength, a life that is led by the Spirit, embodied with the Spirit, if that sounds like you, I'd love to raise your hand. I see that hand also. I see the hand as well. Well, family, I'll get you to pray this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And I now give you my life. I turn from sin and turn to you and submit to you as Lord. Today is a new day. In Jesus' name, amen.